0: Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed
1: to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. Group Talk is hosted by Carolyn Takeda and is a product of the Small Group Network, a network of small group point people that exists to build relationships, share ideas, and help one another become more intentional at accomplishing the tasks God's laid before us. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Well, welcome to Group Talk.
0: Um, as as small groups transition into the summer season. We know typically summer is a time for groups to reach out to their neighbors and friends. There's kind of a slower pace to life um, in some of our areas. And so it's also a great opportunity to host um, some activities that connect and connect the people in our community. So we're going to talk um, this episode about what are some ways we can impact our communities and engage in outreach um, to people that are unconnected, our neighbors, our friends and the larger community. And so, on the program with me is Nick Lindsay, and we're gonna talk about some creative and helpful ideas that we can share with our small groups about how to engage with their community. So Nick, thank you so much for being on the program.
1: Hey, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) And well, Nick, uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. Nick started as the group's director at Evoking Grace in New Jersey in 2009, and he was asked to come on board full-time staff in 2013. Um, prior to full-time ministry, Nick worked on Wall Street as a Trade Support Analyst. Okay, I have no idea what that is, Nick, but that sounds really impressive. Um, it just means you're super smart, right?
1: Yes, I'll, I'll take
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick has a passion for seeing people get connected into authentic biblical community and helping them to take their next steps. He's been married for four years, and he and Erica do all kinds of cool stuff that you can only do in New York. <laughs> Um, And he's also currently serving as our Mid-Atlantic Regional Director for the network. Um, He is a genuine guy, super fun to be around, really creative, and great at asking the right questions. And so, um, Nick, we wanted to ask you, let me kick off by asking a little bit about um, your church environment and what context you guys do your ministry in.
1: Yes. So Hoboken, for those who don't know, is, you might know Hoboken from the Cake Boss, um, so he's, he's from our town, and uh, he's usually the people that people ask me now when I say from I'm Hoboken, they go, oh, you know, the kick boss. And um, I've seen him. I, ha- I don't know him, but um, uh, it's a really great shop and things like that. But Hoboken is located just across the Hudson River from New York City. So uh, the best way I like to describe it is it's like Brooklyn, but the other side um, of Manhattan. And so our town is uh, – there's 50,000 people in one square mile – um, which wow. I think is makes it the most dense wow. city in America. Um, pretty much we win all those things because you just divide everything by one because we're one square mile, and so we have the most, you know, nail salons or whatever in in the nation. But, um, yeah, no, I, I love this community. Uh, I moved here uh, similar to a lot of other people who work in the financial district, so it's a really easy commute for us down to, Um, Wall Street because the subway goes right there from our hometown. And so a lot of people, very commuter-friendly town, um, no cars, uh, a lot of buses and trains and things to get around. Um, So that pretty much describes our community. And we're uh, very young, so it's a very, when I moved here, it was a very post-college town. And that's been growing up a little bit, or maybe I'm just observing it because I'm growing up, Um, (laughs) but starting to see more strollers now and... And so forth. But typically, what we see is families will be here until their kids hit a school age and then um, still tend to move into the suburbs then. Um, but uh, as we've been getting better schools, that's been changing a bit. So,
0: so is Hoboken, so is um, your church then largely young, um, younger congregation? And how, how old is your church? And is it multi site or is it just in Hoboken?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's it's currently now just in Hoboken. Um, we did multi-site. Uh, sorry, so we've been a church plant for seven years. Um, I actually came about a month after it started when there's about um, 20 people, and then it's now about uh, somewhere in the range of like 600 to 700 people. Um, and we had a stint doing multi-site for two years, and decided to come back to one location um this past February and that's been really exciting and has had a, we've had a lot of growth since doing that and it's been a lot healthier. Um and then the other bonus is that uh we planted another church in Jersey City and they um, became independent and now they're thriving in Jersey City so we're really excited for them.
0: That's cool. Okay. Well um, um no,
1: I sorry I didn't answer Go your question ahead. but yes we are a very uh fairly young uh congregation uh mostly his 20s and 30s um but it's really a reflection of the town that's here
0: makes sense well part of what um why we invited Nick to come um and talk about outreach is because you may have noticed on our small group network uh, facebook page a few weeks back Nick had posted um about a group a small group um uh, with 10 members that somehow had this amazing um, event that kind of ended up snowballing into a big thing using social media. And it was so creative and looked like a lot of fun. And so we started, started up on a conversation about what kinds of things that they were doing to reach their community and, and network and, and connect people. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what happened on that event?
1: Yeah. So one of our dinner, so we use dinner groups here, just uh, it's our version of small groups. And uh, one of the things that we require all of our small groups to do is every quarter we want them to hold either a connection or an impact event. Uh, and what those events are, are they're uh, events designed to help our people in our groups reach their neighbors, coworkers, friends, and family um, who are unconnected to, to help uh, help them get connected. And so this group in particular decided to host an event um, at one of the, our popular places in Hoboken. It's called Pier 13, and it's this um, Uh, It's this place to hang out that's a pier that goes out into the river and what's cool about it is that you have the entire New York skyline And so it's a really awesome place to hang out take pictures and um, This venue will bring in food trucks and stuff like that. So this group decided that they were going to host their event there Um, and this isn't really our first event that we've held there, but um, What was interesting about this one is they posted it on on Facebook and then it started to snowball because people just started inviting and inviting. Um, we started getting really concerned. It was interesting. The first day, it went from like 200 to to 500, and we were like, oh, my goodness, 500 people are coming. We were really excited. And then uh, the next day, we came back, and it was at 2,000, and we were like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> um, and then it really started to take off then, and it ended up peaking at 10,000 people um, and so that was really crazy. Um, when it hit about 3000, we got really scared that the venue was going to get really mad at us. Um, right. and thinking, cause we didn't talk to them a lot about this because usually these are just, you know, just normal hangout and a few extra people will join you. <laughs> but we went there and we told them like, Hey, we have this Facebook event. And they were like, yeah, we know we saw it. Um, and oh, we thought they okay. were going to be like, we thought they were going to be really angry about it. Um until so they told us when we went there it was like two thousand people. They were like, Yeah, we had six thousand people on last Sunday, which if there were six thousand people, like this pier would collapse into the river foot. But, <laughs> but, but it just started uh, but out it, with
0: ten ten people in a small group just spreading the word. That's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. Um and then to to tell you what happened on the day the event happened, um so apparently I was in California at, at the at the lobby when, when this event happened, but um what what ended up happening is is that the weather that day dropped from like sixty and then at night it was about forty nine degrees and so oh, no. <laughs> um so ten thousand people didn't show up, but that was probably a good thing we only had we had about two thousand to three thousand people um but it was a, a lot of fun. The food trucks loved us um This was funny seeing How on that? social media they were saying like we've never had lines longer and Right. Um, one of the other things we decided to do was we created like this scavenger hunt game so that people could get to know each other a little bit better. Um, but but yeah, it was it was quite quite the fun and I think they're asking for us to do it again. So wow, be, that's such a
0: great that's a great way to do outreach and to get people um, interested. I it was just so cool how somebody just organically uh, put that together. Um, so let's talk about uh, summer, where we've timed this group talk for June because summer um, seems to be the natural kind of best time to have these types of connection and impact events. Um, do you agree with that?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, summer's a great great place to start. I think, I think any time to have these events is great, but um, I think you can get a little bit of a myth at only hosting these events in the summer. Um, so we try to hold these events year-round, um, and... Uh, I think some of the times the best time to focus is when there's people moving into your community. Um, so here in Hoboken, we notice that you know there's a lot of people coming from college, and and they usually keep those sort of transitions when they go into job transitions and stuff. So we see a heavy influx of people coming into our community at the beginning of the year in January, and then we see it also in uh, June. Um, so usually the month after there's college graduations, we'll see a heavy influx. Um, of people coming into our community. So we try to have our events heavily around uh, January, early February, and then June. Um, and then the other good times is post-Easter because we get a lot of influx into our church. And so um, we have all these yeah. new people who are new to our church, but they're not yet connected to a group. So these, these events, they see them, and they know that they're safe places for them to go and to meet new people. Um, and then September is another one. We see another influx when – when school starts, school starts in September here. I know it's in throughout the country it's a little different, but um, people are just in that rhythm when school starts. They want to start new activities, and so we'll see an influx of new people uh, coming into our church then, too.
0: Yeah, I love about that is, um, you know, you just described in your setting and your culture, I think we need to be students of our culture and know what the micro— um, you know, trends are so for what you just described for seasonally for Hoboken makes a lot of sense and for our listeners, you kind of have to figure out, um, you know, what that looks like. For us on the West Coast, summer is time for connection impact events because the pace of life slows down a little bit and also because it's, the weather is so wonderful that you can do so much stuff outside that you wouldn't be able to do. You can hang out at the beach, hang out at the park. There's so many other options. Um so you kind of have to figure out the best seasonal flow, but I guess, you know, I like what you say, Nick, about thinking about a year long, not just as a project, but really almost as a way of life, right, of constantly yeah. trying of look for ways to connect.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just trying to find those things that your friends are already doing and, and asking and and inviting them into that is, is a really easy way to, to begin those events.
0: Okay. Now, I know that um, when we talk about outreach events and we ask our small groups to go connect with people outside of the group, sometimes there's a lot of pushback and there's this fear of, um, you know, what do I need to do? What does the group need to do? And it just um, becomes a little uncomfortable and we feel like we might be pushing the ball um, uphill and trying to get groups to do this. And I, um, you and I talked earlier about what are some myths that kind of get in the way that really are myths that aren't true um, that might help us as we coach our groups toward um, doing these types of engaging events? Um, what are a few of those myths?
1: Yeah, so um, I, think, I think part of it starts back with your, um, the vision that you have for groups. So one of, ours, one of our values in our, in our groups is connecting the unconnected. And so that's where, um, you know, connection events is just a tool that will help that value be executed. Um, and so that really helps them understand why we have these events. Um, but uh, I think there's some, some definitely some myths that that I see groups run into a lot of times. And one of them is the the size of the event. Um, that it really needs to be this huge event for it to be successful. So you know we just talked about this one that was, was 10,000 people. Um, but the the thing about that is that you know when they start getting to be really big, even when you talk about hundred. Um, you know, it gets harder for us to know them. Like what was great about the 10,000 event is that people got to know who Hoboken Grace was. Right, but it was really right. challenging for us to get to know who they are. And I think that's what ultimately matters is, you know, you need to get to know the people. Um, it's not just about them getting to know us. Um, so I think that's that's one of the, the big things. Um, and then the other thing with that too is that, um, so our, our goal with these connection events is we really just want the group plus two. So. We want the group to meet, um, and the the bonus of that is then the group is going to grow stronger because they're going to get to know each other. But then they're also going to invite others, and um, I think letting them know that like our goal is just two extra people, and, and that really helps. Um, the it's first, very the first, yeah, yeah, exactly. That it's that it's attainable um, is it, great too. In, in the first event that we ever had um, connection event, it was just our lead pastor and his wife, and they invited. Uh, they invited the, the entire church to come and and, um, and people in their community, and they ended up having two other people come. And <laughs> they, now a- they didn't know them be- before they came, but those people are still here today. And it's it's one of those great things of just, you know, really encouraging people that, um, you know, if you're able to make connection at your event, that's what makes it successful. It's not that um, 100 people showed up to your event. It's that, it's that people were connected.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. Um, Another myth is I think we think these events have to also serve the purpose of um, impacting the poor, caring for the least, or, you know, turn into serving projects. And that kind of almost causes um, Mm. these to to be twofold, and maybe that makes it complicated?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you can definitely see that with the, the impact events that we have. So the impact events are designed... Um, in the same context that the connection events are designed to help us connect the unconnected. Um, it's just that we do it through serving. So in New York City, you, you see this a lot too, that um, even though they're working hard, they still really wanna volunteer. Um, and so this is a great opportunity for us to connect with our coworkers, um, because when they hear that we're going to the community garden to help lay down gravel or to um I'm trying to some of the other ones we did, um, the my group's worked with this community garden over and over and over again. Um, and then there's another one we work at this we work at a local school removing these old chalkboards and putting up new ones. Um, but what's been really great about that is that it's been an awesome opportunity for us to connect with men. Um, there's just something unique about men in that when they have a common task together, they just really bond. And so um, we see that those impact events are even more successful for guys than when they go to a wing night together and watch a football game.
0: That's you know what um, part of that too is I think we kind of think it's more noble if you know we do all of it. We connect and we serve and we build up relationships within the group. It's almost like there's so many things you're trying to do, and really, it actually helps to know okay, what is the goal for this particular um, event? Is it to you know is it more relational, just one on one? Is it to serve together and then build that side-by-side, you know, linking arms, working on something together. I think it just helps to just figure out. It doesn't have to be all things to to all people, I guess, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think Uh, uh, just one other other myth that's out there, too, is that um, these events need to be held at a church um, or your church. Um, I know, like, really in my community that uh, in New York City, people are really afraid of churches. Um, even if it's like a blood drive, they're afraid just to even step foot in a church. And so we've really encouraged our groups not to have to use. The other part, too, is that we rent a space here at Hobo and Grace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's only available on Sunday. So it really forces our groups to have to, to be unique. But, um, you know, if you're going to have a dodgeball tournament, um, go have it in the park. You'll, you'll be much more successful at inviting people. And you'll even pick, pick people up that are, you know, walking or driving past. That um, that you know see funds happening and they want to join in, but if you're doing that in a church, like you're going to get no's just because it's in a church.
0: You know that's so true. I think a lot of times, especially maybe churches, you know, to have their own building and put on a lot of events, we think inviting them to come to that is our outreach. But you make an excellent point. I, I think you know more and more as our culture becomes um, less church friendly, and um, people have experiences that are negative about around church. Um, that inviting the church really isn't an outreach that's almost like step number two or three down the road right it's It's yeah. more just going to where people are at seems far more successful,
1: yeah, totally
0: um so okay, so what's the best advice then you can give to groups um if they're thinking you know we want to do something um that's going to engage with our community and, and um and be around people who aren't part of the church what What's the best advice?
1: Yeah, so the best advice I can give you um, is that uh, first date spots make excellent places for connection. So um, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, and hopefully you didn't have a bad first date, but, um, you know, going to movies is is not a great place because conversation isn't, right. you know, when you're at a movie, you don't talk to each other. So it's a really bad place to do to do a connection event. Um, loud venues also make a really bad place. So like going to a concert is, is a really bad idea because it gets too hard to hear. So you really want to think about where are the good places that, that people can talk to each other. Um, and so that's, I usually, that's one of the things I try to help them with. It helps with their like twenties and thirties because they remember dating and stuff like that. And so,
0: um, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have any memory of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, or at least know where the good spots are anymore, you know, so, um, but, uh, the other thing too is um uh, is that money will also like limit connection as well, so you know what's really interesting is you know in New York City, we have all these wonderful things, and about once a year, somebody will come up with skating at Rockefeller Center and or somewhere else where they're going skiing or going uh ice skating outside, and it just sounds like such a romantic event and <laughs> You know, like so much fun to do with a group. And then the event day comes, and it's seven degrees outside. Oh, and wow. the thought of ice skating outside doesn't sound <laughs> so great. And then you have to think, oh, then i got to commute into the city, and, you know, I have to pay $20 to skate. And they end up saying no just because of the the conditions and stuff like that. So um, I think one other tip that I can give the directors, too, that I've had to learn is, like, when people come up with events, like, be very cautious to tell them no. Um, I think my my leaders learn a lot from when they fail from an event. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes they'll do those ice skating things and it won't be successful. And sometimes they have to learn from that, um, you know, that, okay, we, we need to make it more simple than what we're trying. Um, but we've also had events that are successful, like the when people go hiking, they're really successful. But the reason they're successful is because they answer every question that people have. So when are we leaving? Who's driving me there? When am I coming back? How long is this hike? Like when you're able to answer and clarify all those things, then people are more willing to travel and and do those kind of things. But the ones that are local are the ones that are the best.
0: Yeah. And and I like, um, you know, asking those questions kind of from the perspective of an unconnected person, you know, who doesn't know what kind of shoes they need to wear for the hike or, you know, or whatnot. Um, but there's kind of put yourself and have the groups put themselves in that frame mindset and go, okay, if you know nothing about our church, all you know is this one friend who invited you. What would ease your come, you know, ease you into this? What would make you want to try it, to do it? And mm-hmm. um, so, what about this, Nick? What if, um, like, what if we're part of a church that really doesn't focus much on the outreach? Um, so maybe our groups feel like, you know, we can just sit back and the church will do the outreach. Um what are some things that like the group can do more organically that's kind of low key?
1: Yeah. So for us as a church plant, um, you know, when you're starting out, you're really trying to save as much money as you can because you, you have very little of it. Um, And so for us, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to be able to connect with our community, but the resources that we had, we had pretty much had no financial resources to be able to do that. Um, so it really made us lean into our groups heavily to be able to host these things, and um, we don't provide any financial support for our events here um, for for our groups. Um, so that really, you know, makes it challenging for them to try to think of what they want to do because they need to think of, um, it really forces them to think of, okay, what are my friends already doing that I can join in on? And I think that's a really great place to start for throwing these events. So. Um, I know that my friends are going to go watch this football game or this big sporting event uh, at this venue. And so, um, you know, and some of these, the sporting events are nice because you can see them coming from a mile away. Um, right. So those right. are always good. Um, and then. Well, the
0: uh, the, bar, the barbecue is kind of the classic. And especially yes. if you make it potluck so not everybody has to. Yeah. Uh, you know has to participate and and it doesn't cost much and it, if people are used to hanging out in the backyard that's a, you know that's more of a cultural norm
1: Yeah uh, you also tell me about these backyard things
0: uh, you guys oh that's so. right okay I was just in the suburbs <laughs> this is what the, the people in the suburbs do. we don't have cool places to go ice skating or anything so we hang out in the backyard No. Have a lot no, but, in California yeah. a lot of pool parties
1: <laughs> Yeah I know the other thing i get jealous too with, with the suburbs is um you guys will uh just hang up a bed sheet and show a movie onto a yes. a, a thing out there and that's <laughs> movie night. That's awesome. Yeah, movie night in the backyard. So great. And uh I think I was reading too the other thing that makes it helpful is, is moving um your barbecue to the front yard too is really really something that yeah. that helps with that. So to make it visible yeah. and let people know that you're you're welcome.
0: That so. so you're in the neighborhood, yeah. I I um there was a church that does that. I think they're in the south somewhere where it's that was an intentional move on their part and say, so when your group gets together, move it to the front yard. And um, if you live in a cul-de-sac, I mean, people walk by, the smells, it's it's just, a, I think it's about being intentional, really. Um, here's another yeah. another piece. Is I think the longer we've been in church ourselves and our group, um, there's just a natural tendency to become info and, and start not um, knowing even people outside of the church or, or I even mean, mm. non-Christians. Um so what if what about people who don't even necessarily know where to start to invite someone who's not a Christian because they don't really have a whole lot of that in their life
1: yeah and and you know I, I try to encourage them that that they do they do know people because you know you work with your coworkers, like you just need to get the courage to ask them, but you know there's those people out there that 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 is just not their gift set. Um and so one of the things that we've found really helpful and um really something that we observed, not really something that we saw at the beginning, it was just the benefit of starting this, is that um we had a group that did um they worked a water station at a local um race that was here and um they did that because they when I you know when I got to follow up with them they said, you know, we have a really hard time connecting with people, so we decided to go to this race event and split up at the water stations and work with other people who are volunteering. And that gave us an opportunity, a really easy opportunity for us to start to get to know new people. And so um, th- those are the kind of things, I think if you look at your local area and what are the things that, where people are, are volunteering um, that, that maybe you can get to go know them. Um, one thing I would just recommend is like, keep your groups in pairs of twos um, because then that'll keep them them more comfortable. But you know, it don't don't keep the group all together. I think was was a really big part of that. Like, if you keep the group together, they're just going to talk to each other and stay in that right. bubble. But if you can break them up, they with the intention of getting to know other people, um, it'd be really great.
0: Yeah, I I think that's really helpful. Um, I know when youth sports is huge in California, and so I know groups that have um, just create their own water station, gone out to the field when the kids are playing. And, you know, hand out water, just talk to people, um, really low-key, you don't have to make a huge evangelistic push or anything, but yeah. basically starting with those baby steps, uh, you know, the church needs to be outside of its walls and outside of Sunday, and these are some really simple ways to do that, and doing it two-by-two, two, which is quite biblical, so good word on that, yeah. <laughs>
1: Find find your um, Barnabas and go. <laughs>
0: that's, that's right. Or then at, at minimum, even if everybody else, like, say it doesn't work. Say worst case scenario. You go, it's awkward. Nobody talks to you. You feel really bad about it. You'll at least have one person that you have gotten to know yeah. better as a result. And that in itself is really a win. Um, so when you think about what a win looks like, I think you set that at the top of our, our conversation, that it's really about making, um, you know, one or two connections.
1: So, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I think mean, we're almost out of time, Nick. Is there um just a few last final thoughts that you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the best advice I can give you in, in what we've learned over our years here at Hobo & Grace is that you know keep these events simple um you'll find like like I said earlier with the size of the event, you know and, and you might want to do this really big idea, but um, you'll you end up finding that you're putting in so much effort and you're getting the same result as if you just did something simple. Um, take advantage of the things that are going on in your community um, and hop on board with it. Um, it, So like for us, like the girls love, one of the best ones is in February, every February, they do a Valentine's day brunch. And so they just go to a local restaurant and have brunch, but man, they get so many of their friends to join that because they're already going to brunch, um, you know, on a, on a Saturday or Sunday. And so um, this is just so normal to them and for them to, know that oh hey my friend is is going to this, um it, it really it'll really be successful. So no need to reinvent the wheel.
0: That's right. That's a good point. And also um, there's I know there's some conversation about this on our Facebook um at the Small Group Network. And so um I'll just probably repost along with this group talk um, the handouts from um Eddie Mosley from Life Point Church. He's got a cool mm-hmm. thing on ten Ways to Live Scent this summer. Um, and then also Saddleback has done um a list of ten best summer ideas for their group, which also includes maybe having a book study, just mixing it up, um, what kinds of things you can do with your families together and he's got all sorts of ideas for that, in addition to the typical um, you know, beach block party, that sort of thing. Um so I think it's, you know, if groups start to brainstorm and um pray together about God, what is it you want to us to do to reach our community, or reach our neighbors, um mm-hmm. and then go out there and faith. I think we can see some really cool impact um for Jesus in that in our local community. So Nick, thank you so much for your time and your ideas Yeah, and thank what you had to do it doing out there in your one oops, just told me that we're done. Um what you're doing out there in that one square mile. I had no idea it was quite that small because they're yeah. um, having a, a huge impact there. Um, if you want to connect with Nick, he's on our Facebook um, Small Group Network uh, page, and you'll see um, he'll be happy to answer questions. I'm speaking for you now. You'll be happy to answer questions yeah. or um, if you have any further follow, uh, we'd love for you to engage, post your ideas about what group, some of your groups are doing so we can learn from each other yeah. and and um, basically rip off whatever good stuff is working out there. And so you can interact with Nick on that. You can follow him on yeah. Twitter at, at Nick Lindsay um and thank you so much nick god bless you and your ministry yeah if
1: if you don't mind just one last thing like i have uh these these guides that we use to give to our leaders um and i'll if you know if you if anyone wants to contact me i'd love to send these to you uh i really think they're they're good materials to help you guys um be able to to bring this to your leaders so they know how to have a successful connection event
0: yes and i have seen these and they are really helpful because it kind of goes step by step and how you can even start talking to your teams about, um, about doing that. So um, good word on that. We'll, we'll, um, you can connect with Nick on Facebook on that or send him an email. We'll have all this contact information with um, the podcast and with the, um, the Facebook. So thank you for cool. listening to Group Talk. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com.